Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. The, today we have very special guest who is a real thought leader and an inspiring leader in this area. Our global thought leader today is Rania Haider. Uh, Rania Haider is the integrated uh, planning director at Unilever. Rania Haider, I keep saying it, she is well known inside Unilever as S&OP guru. She, contrib- she contributed globally on revamping the S&OP inside Unilever by her extensive experience in the business. She has a marvelous uh, business experience and career inside Unilever. Her understanding, as we said, in, in terms of financials, marketing, trade marketing, sales, and supply chain is really remarkable. Uh, I keep saying this also, that her slogan and her way of thinking is like that. Don't over overcomplicate things. Just focus on the end objective. And uh, she contributed globally in shaping the new era of S&OP inside Unilever. Honestly, we are so happy to host an inspiring leader like Rania today in our podcast. So may I ask you please to welcome with us our global thought leader today, Dr. Rania Hida. And before we introduce Rania, we will give the normal what? Applause. Yes, definitely. So, Rania, let's jump into the, the amazing question and we reveal a lot of values from that question. So, I think one of the challenges that we have uh, in demand planning, I would say, a lack of skills. So, what are those skills that are needed for demand planning just to influence the demand of any product, based on your experience, definitely? Well, uh... First, uh, as, I, as I said, I'm looking forward for sure for the questions because I see that the part of the demand planning it's uh, in the business in, in, in general. It's an area where you'll not find like other disciplines in the business. You'll not find this defined sort of framing to the job description. Yeah. Or you will not find this sort of, uh, this is the task inventory, you can do it that way. 
it will always depend on a mix of a lot of things. Um, and in and, and when I think Ahmed um, and Ahmed at the audience about the, the, the skills needed, I, I always see like in any job, it's the same three grouping of skills, to be very honest. You'll find one related to the technical part of the job. You find one related to the personal or the interpersonal skills. Uh, and we will come what will need it in my point of view, what is needed for the demand planning. Um, the third group which, or the third yani, category, in my point of view, it is the business acumen or, or the business understanding. Mm -hmm. And I see this is the most impactful one. They go all interrelated, to be very honest. And uh, if personally, I don't have this sort of eagerness to develop myself, to unlearn, learn and all that stuff. I won't continue the other three uh, groups of skills. So I think technically we will not disagree a lot, especially for these days. Uh, maybe earlier you'll find that analytical skills is one of the top of the skills for the demand planner. Now, for me, I would call it data scientist, data analytics. Um, how do you have this sort? And even if I'm working in an organization where there is a very high investment in the technology or there's a machine learning or something, but I have to have the basic understanding. I have to have the basic understanding mm -hmm. of the statistical modeling, if I can say. Yeah. This is on, on, on the technical front. Um, and, and from the technical front, I move to the part related to the personal and the interpersonal. I see that one of the key things in the personal and the interpersonal is to have this sort of awareness. And I call it awareness because I, I believe always that the skill, how to, to, to have this sort of self-awareness and, and stakeholders awareness, it's a skill in my point of view. Mm -hmm. So I yes. see it's pretty much important in the demand planning to, to know your strengths and to, to sharpen your strengths. Um, communication for sure comes on the top. And, and if we link it with the technical part of the what we talk, we what we've talked about about the data scientists and the data analytics, so for me here would be data driven decision making, how to reach yeah. the decision making via data. So so this would be the part interpersonal or the part the personal ones. Um, the business acumen it will differ from from someone to another, but at the end we'll agree that we have to have a very great knowledge of the context we're operating in. I have to have. Mm -hmm context of if I'm working in FMCG, if I'm, I'm, I'm forecasting for automotive, if I have to have the context of the industry and of the business and of the category that I'm working in. I won't say that yeah, the, the demand planner has to be a master class in the 60s and the market and, and, and the CD and the channel and the distribution, but at least get the basic understanding. At least get the, 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 the important four P's, for example, how they affect, how they, they, they interrelated. Uh, how the marketing strategy is built at the beginning. Just the basics, get the basics, get the basics of the understand. Um, this is, in my point of view, the key skills. And, and, and on top of them, or, or comes with it, to be connected always, to be connected with the, with the, with the other team member that you're working on, because mm -hmm. most of the planner is working with cross-functional team. So be connected uh, and, and try to be closer as much as you can to the market or to, to the product that you're forecasting. Definitely. Great points, uh, definitely, uh, Dr. Rani. I, I agree with you. Of course, you need to understand your product uh, so much. You need to, uh, uh, like you said, to understand the category, the industry, uh, be connected and communication with uh, with the teams, of sp especially that you need to, I think, to internally with marketing and sales and even externally sometimes with the, you are connected with the distributors, with the demand planners at the distributors' uh, side and uh, 
the more, of course, you get closer to the customer and the consumer, the better the understanding and shaping the demand. So totally, totally agree with you. That was a great point. 100%. Uh, I think you touch a point which is very hot topic. Where, and I see it also. I, I, I still do remember when I joined the demand planning. I think one of the biggest challenges that most demand planning used to have is the lack of business acumen. And what do I mean here by lack of business acumen? That... We don't understand what does it mean by financials, even what is the income statement of my category or my segment, how it looks like from in terms of channels, what is my category uh, strategy. Uh, it's I used to have it like at the beginning, like uh, tons. I use it like, you know, unit of measurement, what tons in, tons out. And this doesn't help at all because demand planning is a bigger role than just a supply planning blindly. I don't mean here just balancing demand supply, but our role in demand planning is, as I said, as you said, Dronia, it's mixed. But the most important one is understanding uh, your business in terms of route to market, in terms of financials, in terms of how to influence the demand, what are the drivers of the demand, in terms of even to have the voice of the customer when you are inside the S&P, you are not here just to put the numbers and give it to the the, the next cycle, Supply. which is yeah. to, yes, to the upstream moving and ensure that the stocks is there. No, the demand planning is bigger role than just giving numbers, put it numbers and move move the wheel as as is. Thank you, Rania. Thank you, Ahmed. I think let's let's say send some greetings. We have many greetings here from yes, our friends. Sure. We have our friend LinkedIn user Boatre. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's I think uh, it's uh, Spanioli. I think. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Our fr our friend Marwa Ramadan. Looking forward for this great session. Thank you, Marwa. Thank for you, Marwa. Us. Thank you so much. Our friend Musab. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Thank, Thank you, you so coming. much for, Thank you. for tuning Thank you. in. Assalam. Thank you. Our friend the Panda from, from India. From India. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Panda. Thank you. Namaste. Yes. Uh, Ali Arafat, our friend. Thank you so much. She's Thank sending you. Rania looking for for a great session. Thank you so much. Thank you. LinkedIn user. It's from, yeah, Brazil. from Brazil. Yeah. Brazil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, uh, thank you for participation. It's Portuguese. Uh, it's Portuguese, yes. I think. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for participation. Our friend Atif Hamad. Hello, everyone. Thank you so no, much Atif, for tuning in. Yes. I think we have a, the first question. Okay, great. Our friend Shazma. She's asking, my question is, what is demand planning and how it adds value to any product? It's a great question. It's a good, very good question, yeah. Sure, sure. And I think it covers actually a lot of questions in our minds. About <laughs> yes. Planning. Well, I think, Ahmed, you mentioned it in, at the beginning of um, of the intro for the session that we discussed. And, and let me very briefly, I can say it. At the end, volume is the key, the key factor, if you can say. To any to any business plan, be it financial plan, be it production, be it procurement plan, anything starts with the sales volume forecast. Mm -hmm. So this is the the origin of any any other plan in the organization. So the importance of it is that it actually it is the key factor that forecasts or that projects the the performance of the business, and it is the one that drives all or most let me say most of the operational decisions in the business. So if you can look at the business in several time horizons, you'll find that there's 
there's a horizon of the operational thing, which is the SNOP, as we, we discussed at the beginning. And the volume is the key, the key factor for it. Mm-hmm. When you look at any function, you'll find the volume, or, or on, on a specific note before moving to the non-planning part, it is the volume because it is the key. So, mm-hmm. and I will take maybe an example outside completely the supply chain or the SNOP when we look even on the what is the more uh, uh, sustainable growth for the business is the volume growth rather than the value. However, the value can come in the short term. The value can be one of the key um, achievements in the short term. But the volume growth and the market volume growth mm. is the key that makes the business sustain. So, so here comes the importance of the demand planning because it is the starting point for all other actions and plans that got triggered and initiated in the business. Um, it gives, as I mentioned, it gives the financial projection. You can easily go and project your financial and your performance at the end of the year to the stakeholders. To your, it gives the the the, the input to the capacity planning. Where to yes. do I invest? Uh, shall I invest in in this product? Shall I invest in this category or not? Uh, it gives even the, the the part related to where to put investment in the innovation from the marketing side. So mm-hmm. it actually for me it, it, it affects everything. Demand planning for me is the backbone of the of the business operation in general. So this is how can I uh, see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is how I can see it adds value to the business. Yes, definitely. That's that's a great answer here, uh, of course, uh, Dr. Rania. And uh, demand planning uh, also, it's, it's, yeah, it's the first gate in the S&OP uh, cycle, of course. And, uh, exactly. and then we, as you said, we're, we're trying to, to get the forecast. We're, uh, we're working on the categories and getting the numbers, adding up the numbers, stacking the numbers to get the capacity decisions of make or buy. Sometimes decision of uh, investing in new uh, like new factory decisions about inventory, about uh, capacity, as you were talking about. So it's a broad uh, uh, subject, and uh, it, it's very important. The backbone of the organization, as you as, as you mentioned, yes. Definitely. Thank you, Rania. Thank you for uh, this great uh, answer. So I think that we jump into another question, which is, I still do remember that uh, that quote, which is forecast will never be right. I don't want to be very negative because people say that forecast will be always wrong. So we say take it on the other way. Forecast will never be right. So what are the best ways to ensure that demand forecasting is is realistic as much as we can? Well, um... I think it's it's not being pessimistic, Ahmed, or being negative. But this is reality, and actually, yeah, I, yes. very honest, this is this is the one thing that the business has to to acknowledge, because if I'm looking forward to have an accurate forecast, so it will not get me to the to the cycle of managing the business effectively, because to have a realistic forecast, and this is the right word, maybe you, what you said is to have a realistic forecast. At the end, you're forecasting something in the future. So, so let's agree that we don't have a crystal ball in front of us to, to see how we will buy. We have a lot of other things. So it is all about relying for sure for a long time. I can say that relying on the historical data is one of the key things to, to get a historical mm-hmm. forecast. However, however, maybe I again, I see this is if I can divide it, it will be the, 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 hard, the hard part of the job or the technical part of the job. Mm-hmm. Coming here to or the quantitative part of the job. Coming to the part which is very much important, and especially in markets like our markets, like in the Middle East, mm-hmm. having very high level of ambiguity, having very high level of 
maybe price discrepancies, having very high level of uh, a lot of things, a lot of external factors, VUCA, as we say in the business. Mm-hmm. So you, you will find yourself, you have to be very much shortening your assumption of forecast. It's not mm-hmm. about the forecast in terms of this is the historical trend that gives me. Because any, I won't say machine learning or I won't say technology, I would say Excel sheet can do it. Yeah. <laughs> any Excel yes. sheet can do it. But, but the issue is how you build the story of the forecast. This is what makes it realistic. How you, yeah. you have, as I mentioned, assumption is very much key. If we, if we want to share our thoughts in bullet points, it would be assumptions. Assumptions of the forecast is the starting point. What, what is the assumption? What is the story for, the forecast story that I'm building? The second thing is, for me, connectivity, connectivity with mm-hmm. the, 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 the customer. Because if mm-hmm. I want to have a realistic forecast, I have to eliminate the nods between the, the demand planner staying in the office and putting the forecast and the, the late end in the gate, which is the customer. Yeah. And again, maybe the customer thing will, it will be debatable. We can discuss it because again, not all our markets here are more of a um, very advanced or, or modern trade based mar- market, but there still can be several ways to be connected with the customers on a regular basis. For sure, if you have an advanced market, you can have a more of a collaborative forecasting with the customer and this will be great. So it will make your forecast more mm. of, let me say, realistic. You're getting the vibes from the market, which you will not get it, get it from the historical data. The, the third part of my point of view is to have more of a shorter cycle of decision making to the forecast, which is mm-hmm. if you're having an S&P cycle, which is monthly in most of the companies, have a more of weekly or bi-weekly demand sensing. Mm-hmm. sensing. And here comes a very important element that segmentation, do it for the top items, do it for the golden customers, whatever it is called in any organization. But have this sort of mix between the the the, the segment the segmentation approach and, and sensing the forecast to reflect the key cells. The, the the last thing for sure, be very much disciplined as an organization in the bias correction. And I know that this is great mm-hmm. <laughs> for the month planners or some of the, 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 the forecasting teams. But very, be very much because having the correction of the bias, it's in itself a, a, a way of, of having the forecast more realistic as you move on in the, in the future. So, so this is, in my point of view, the, maybe the four or five maybe enablers, if I can say, if anyone wants to have a realistic forecast. And to ensure acknowledging the organization that there's no right forecast. <laughs> yes. Yes, errors, exactly. errors will be always there, uh, exactly. Rania, exactly. and let's admit this. And I like what you said. It's the first gate, I think, that most demand planning or most organizations, they have lack of, which is lack of documenting what happened in the past. Uh, exactly. Because if we don't document what happened in the past and we don't have this archiving, this kind of archiving, how will we be able to eliminate any bias in the future? Because if, if I don't build, definitely, as you said, that most probably I, I will not understand the whole cycle. I will have my documentation. And from this documentation, if I have a positive bias, if I have a negative bias with it, 
related to the documentation that I have? Was it because of that uh, the, the price index that I put it here? Was it price sensitive? Was it uh, here because of the retailer? All of these kinds, the, that kinds of uh, documentation should be there. And without this documentation, I believe that you will be always overwhelmed because the map planning, it's all about documentation and understanding what's happening in the market. It's not just numbers, as you said, history, and I will do my statistical analysis and I will predict no sometimes, especially in our era, era right now where most competition is everywhere. You will see that there are aggressive promotions everywhere. So the baselines of the organization is very minimal relatively to the promotion intensity that they give. So shipping the demand is mostly because of the promotions that we give. Uh, relatively to the competition. So understanding the documentation, understanding what was uh, the reason for your bias and the error on uh, forecasting unit level, and then you can just uh, rectify it during the SNP. It's one of the major challenges or the major focus, I believe. Great points, Ahmed and, uh, and Rani. Let's, uh, let's, let's jump. I see a lot of questions. From, yes, I... uh, from, uh, <laughs> yes, let's jump. Let's yeah. jump into the first to question. Cover, cover the yeah. most questions, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, our friend. Uh, uh, no, this is the. No, this uh, is the first one. Okay, yeah. we took it before. <laughs> so just <laughs> wait a moment. So, our friend uh, Maru Ramadan. So she's asking, what's your perspective in balancing mix versus volume? It's a good question. Yeah, very, uh, very strong question, Maro. Uh, and I think, um, well, to, to be very honest, I would not say that this is would be the exclusive role of the demand planner here. However, it's a very much needed uh, uh, part of the business planning to have a good demand plan or the good demand forecast. And here comes this, again, if we look at the horizons, as I mentioned, we, we have the operational ones, which is the monthly ones for the SNOP. But there are other exercises in the business that has to be integrated with the SNOP. So we have more of the strategic annual, if we can say, uh, uh, planning and target setting. We have more of this type of exercises has to be there and it has to be reviewed. So if it is not there in the organization, it has to be created, it has to be defined. If it is there, it has to be at least reviewed once once a year and to feed in into the the, the, the seeds, the SNOP. Balancing the mix and the volume, and for me here, it would be coming to the first point that we were discussing, understanding the category. It's not only limited to the demand planning. So it is understanding the category, even what's the, the optimal, if we can say, what's the optimal number of SKUs, what's the optimal mix that gives me the, the, the target or the, 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 the market share that I need. Because at a point of time, and it's a complexity rule, you know, we all know it. At the point of time, maybe I can increase the number of the mix and I can, can get, diversify the mix and it will not add value to me. Yes. So, so, so this is, again, maybe I haven't seen, and we were discussing right now, I haven't seen maybe a tool or something that, that gives this, but however, the building block of the thinking in itself, it can be put in a simple manner to, to, to look at the, the turnover, the incremental turnover that is coming from the increasing the mix and then decide on this once a year and take this into the operationalize this into the SNOP. So it's very much needed. However, let me tell you, I hope I see it more frequent in the organizations because <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes such very, very, very uh, valid input 
it is not given the it's not given the justice to be taken in the <laughs> planning court phase, and it affects the operational planning for sure. But yeah, it has to be there. And I will add to it the mix. I'm assuming that for sure the mix includes the pricing as well, because yeah. one of the key thing mm. is to to define what's what what's my pricing strategy for for the category or the product that we're forecasting. So it comes here from the mix. What's the right mix? Uh, we have to maximize the mix. It's a target for any organization. And what's the right strategy to be put in place? Yeah. That's that's a, that's a great answer, and I think, of course, this needs collaboration with marketing, with finance, yeah. with uh, with sales. Cannot be only dependent on the demand demand planners. So it's definitely, it's a, I think, it's a great question, yeah. and uh, yeah. I think sometimes it's missed, as you're saying, from the from the company to give it uh, uh, more focus, especially on yeah. that too, because the balancing the mix definitely will affect the bottom line. It will affect it, uh, the growth, uh, your growth and uh, category and the, uh, the business growth uh, in the industry itself. So, hundred yeah. percent right, and I think yeah. that this question is very interesting because it opens my mind on something happened in the past, where uh, I used to see some orders that came from the retailer, and we hindered it. You don't, you don't need mm. to give this to the retailer. So, and I asked myself, how come that a company would stop a sales? with X mm. millions because of strategy. And what I understand after, what I understood this after, that I, I understood that those SQs or those products were diluting the margin of the category itself. So the more that you sell, yes, it, you are looking at the top mm. line sales, you are selling with X millions, but if you go uh, specifically on the, a P&L or an income statement for those SQs, you will see that the more that you sell from those SQs, the, the less that you have in your margin because you have you are spending too much uh, uh, in your marketing uh, expenses i would say the trade expense and uh, it has also a higher cogs or uh, i would say supply chain costs so the more that you just look at it from a sales perspective and less margin it will dilute definitely your margin and the margin of the category itself so don't look only for uh, a top line sales but look into as Rania said, into the, the category strategy or the organizational strategy, strategy, how it looks like, just not be overwhelmed on top line sales or just one element dimension. You can build one, one note, Ahmed, and, and you reminded me with to, to, to answer Marwa in one part. Here comes not only a not big part of it, as I mentioned, the, the including this in the annual planning part and the strategic planning part. And this here where the organization has to develop some sort of guardians or thresholds to do this exact example that you were mentioning. So, yeah. and it all starts from the innovation. Mm -hmm. So, because and sometimes we just don't give again the justice and the good mind in the in the innovation, and then we have to fight, fight and manage <laughs> the consequence of the innovation later. One of them is having this sort of uh, exact example that you mentioned. And the guarded seed is a very key enabler, or again, or, or a business enabler to, to ensure that we're having this sort of disciplined thinking at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Having this sort, for example, innovation has to be with an SKU that is higher than the average GP or the gross margin of the category. Mm -hmm. This can be, can be again, this is an example. <laughs> uh, or, or it has to be the growth of an upcoming couple of years. It will reach the the category average gross margin. So this gives the 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 the, the challenging and the discipline in the thinking from the beginning in the innovation when you launch the SKU or the product. You can monitor these assumptions again. Mm -hmm. Have this sort of post evaluations, and maybe decide after years something that this is not the successful innovation we have to continue with, and we have to 
reduce the list in order to maximize or to max the mix, as we say. Definitely. Amazing yeah. one, Rania. Thank you so much, Rania, for this uh, beautiful story. I think we have the next question. Our lovely friend Hassan Ali wow. is asking okay, how demand planning can shape in with current dynamics that happen in business, especially with current dis disruptive supply chain situation. How would SNOP influence and navigate business nowadays? Mm, I think it's two questions in one. Yeah. But, uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll start with the second one, Hassan. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll start with the second one because, yeah. again, you know, I always say, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm biased to SNOP, but that's why yeah. I always say that. But let me tell you the thing that even people in the organization who see that the SOP is a very painful process or a very painful exercise to be done every every month. I don't think that there's something got new to replace the SNP for the since it started for the last two yeah. or three days. So, so nothing came to replace this cross-functional uh, 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 process, business process, in order to um, plan and deploy the, the, the sales plan. For nothing came. But for me, SNOP is still the 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 key business process to navigate these days. However, there might be some sort of fine tuning to happen on the SNOP. So what I can say is that a very focus comes because again of the VUCA and of the environment that we're living in and the, and 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 the high level of volatility that we are operating in. And I think what happened a couple of years ago is a very clear example to to most of us. The, that the importance of being agile or being flexible or being able to uh, accommodate very quickly uh, is a key sustainable thing to the business. So for SNOP, the key thing for me to navigate the business nowadays is to be very clear about the horizons of the SNOP. Be very clear about the, the, the medium and longer term, which is the ones related to the planning, and the, the short term, which is the one related to the execution. Yes. And differentiate the characteristics between both very clearly and and educate the, the business and educate the organization and educate the cross-functional team all across what are the type of decisions to be taken in that horizon and what are the type of decisions to take in that horizon what are the the, the things that i can see irregular in the short term but i won't react because maybe on a total category level or a total organization level I'm getting my target, so I don't have to make sort of nervousness to the to the total organization, and I need to rectify this in the medium and longer term. So, so for me, how would SNOP influence and navigate business nowadays with a very clear distinction in the horizons, with a very clear um, again um, focus on the short term, not mm -hmm. ignoring the medium and longer term, but focus on the discipline of executing the short term, flawless execution mm -hmm. in the short term. This is my mm -hmm. point of view nowadays. And again, as I mentioned, it happened because uh, we found ourselves, some businesses just got piled up of stocks and inventory and maybe closed <laughs> in 2020, and others got, got out of stock completely. Yes. And how to yes. manage. And with the supply chain issues, as we all know and hear, and it is still coming in 2022, how we have an agile supply chain. Um, for the first part of the question, how, how the demand planning can shape the current dynamics, I, I think I think Hassan in that part again, being being very much integrated and connected with the with the with the total parts of the value chain, for me it's the very much important thing. Because how to 
and, and this is one of the key things maybe we're thinking on right nowadays is how to make even our business KPIs integrated with our customers' KPIs. Might not be the same, but there must be some common things which when I discuss the irregularities of these KPIs, it rings a bell and it drives actions with the customer. Same with the suppliers. So, so for me, again, I see that this is how the demand planning can shape uh, uh, the, the disruptive supply chain. Having the technology nowadays to, to rely on in order to increase the efficiency of the demand planning is very much important. So minimizing the time with the demand planners to do the business scenario and to do the outcome and to share the business insight, it, it will be very much helpful if we do have this sort of technology that gives more of business scenario very quickly and options or business scenario that I can make a decision on. So it will help navigating, if we can say also navigating the supply chain disruptive situation. Wonderful, of course, uh, our great guest. Um, Rania, you know, um, I think, um, I think we deserve, as I was telling you, I was please. just telling you, deserve some applause, please. Please. Definitely. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, I was just going to tell you the same. So you read my mind. I was just uh, telling you that was uh, wonderful. A piece from from our guest Rania Heda. I cannot add, of course, to that. That was very comprehensive and very clear. I think. I hope that Hassan uh, got got uh, all what he wants from this question because we were we enjoyed uh, listening to this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rania and Ahmed. So we'll jump into the next question. Our friend Samah Banasawi, he is asking how artificial intelligence is impacting the demand planning scene. It's a very interesting one. Good. Yeah, I yeah. think you got one of the questions that we were going to ask you. So, yeah, go ahead, uh, Rania. Yes. Well, uh, I can say that this is for me. And I won't have a clear, direct question, to be very honest, because I'm learning it right now, to be very honest. Yeah. I'm just learning this right now, how this will be integrated uh, in the business and how to be integrated in the process of creating the forecast. However, if we come to the basic of the demographic, as we were discussing, it deals with the massive amount of, of data and databases, and not only data, data and information mm -hmm. as well. Because nowadays, it's not only the historical data as we we're discussing. So you need more of data, you need more of- Real-time uh, data. Trends, exactly, more of incorporating the trends across, more of uh, uh, incorporating the changes in the technologies and the changes in the preference and the taste and all that stuff. So how to incorporate all this and, and to get this, for sure, the technology, whether it's uh, artificial intelligence, whether it's more of uh, machine learning, whatever, whatever we can use, it is very much needed. And for me, it will be it will be needed to increase the efficiency. I always say that because it will never replace the the, the human, uh, if we can say, the human element in the in the in the demand planning. Maybe it can it can replace in big in other disciplines in the business with a big uh, amount. But in demand planning, will still this part of business partnering, uh, discussing, taking uh, insights, and maybe taking decisions that is awkward from the data, from the historical data, is, is going to be needed because of other information and other insights. So, for me, it is uh, it is it is the way we 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 drive business these days. So it's inevitable. It's inevitable for any business. And, and maybe if we can say when to use the, the these types of technology in the demand forecasting, it's yesterday for sure. But the, but the key thing in my point of view that the organization has to acknowledge 
is that it has to be prepared for these technologies, in my mm -hmm. point of view, because I, I would consider this as uh, a lethal weapon. <laughs> if I have this yeah. sort of technology and I don't have the mature level of the organization and the teams running the business, Honestly, it will definitely. be investment. It will be any gun. It will fire back. It will yes. fire back. Definitely. Of course, yeah. it's. Uh, I, I totally exactly. uh, echo you. You hear the quicker flow of information nowadays, and this will help a lot. Of exactly. course, in uh, quick uh, decision making, it will help in making analysis. If you have like 5,000 SKUs in some uh, companies or a huge amount of SKUs, a huge amount of data, you will definitely, this will help you out. But uh, as you said, the level of the maturity of the organization, I think it's the key. And the key yeah. is, uh, are the company willing to do investment uh, or not? Or are they, uh, uh, where are they now? Are they using uh, Excel sheets? Or what, what, what are they well aware or they are uh, really, uh, like we say, uh, that they are uh, working with demand planning or not depending on demand planning or having one plan or having multiple plans from uh, sales, marketing. So definitely it's the level of the maturity of the organization is, uh, is key here. So exactly. exactly. And for organization wants to invest really in that technology platform because at the end, it's the three domains in any business we play with. It's the process yes. organization or the teams and the technology. So mm, and I, I would put it in, in, in the technology would come third always for me when we discuss yes. any transformational program or any change or any change. It is the technology comes at the end because we have to be prepared People. from the process perspective at the beginning. Definitely, yes. 100%. Yes. Thank you for your perspective, uh, Rania and Hamamsi. We'll jump into the next question. I think we have many questions. We have. Yeah, we need I to don't have think we'll be able to cover <laughs> yes, all that, but definitely yes. we'll try to cover all uh, yes. some of the questions and the rest, uh, of course, we'll be able to answer after the episode. Or we will have our guest uh, again, of course. She's always welcomed, uh, Rania. Oh, thank you so our friend alia Rafat, she's asking from a control side and from uh, your point of view how to control or do the valid checks if demand signals were not in place for a couple of incidents and resulted in high stock levels and write-offs it's an interesting one first hi alia it's been long i'm very happy to see your photo at least and i hope to meet in person soon inshallah um, well, again, um, maybe we're discussing in one of the questions the part related to the realistic forecast. So, so to have this sort of realistic forecast, one of the gates in the process is to have the device correction. Uh, and here comes, again, the enabler that we were discussing, which is the guardian, the threshold, the, the, the granularity, whatever it is. So the business has to, to, to agree. And here comes maybe a, a very important organization element which I always say that it is the key, is to have a steering committee for the SNOP in any organization. Yeah. Having a steer com, it, it doesn't have, by the way, to be the, the leadership or the XCOM in specific, but it has to include some of the key members heading the functions in this XCOM. So it might be the sales head, the, uh, the demand or the planning head, uh, the finance head. For me, yeah. this, uh, these are the key. Marketing can be a representative from the marketing, but the three functions, which is the sales, finance, and, and a supply chain or, or, or planning, are the key to steer the SNOP across. And one of their missions, I believe that it would be defining the, the, the SNOP guardians and defining the SP granularity and defining the decision making. Mm -hmm. So so one of them is how we, we will agree 
and it depends on the business idea to be very honest again it depends on the industry and the business so maybe from our background from fast moving consumer goods i would say that it will be not more than eight weeks to be very honest not more than eight weeks to correct the demand signal or to correct the bias if i'll see a bias so i have to correct it in eight weeks maximum um this will help a lot because as you mentioned with the consequence and maybe this is the part that some of the some of the cross-functional teams doesn't see it because unfortunately it's not included in the targets of the marketeers or the salespeople. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things a challenging heated area i always face is that guys any cross-functional team has to have uh, has to have a more of functional support to evaluate their performance not a marketing mm -hmm. not sales not a finance or a supply chain it has to be more of the category performance or more of the cross-functional category performance that includes the stocks by the way and i see mm -hmm. that the stock stays on hands the math whatever kpi again the business will choose it has to be there included because it's not only supply chain it's not only planning it is it comes from the beginning as we were just discussing coming <laughs> from the innovation that yeah. Take enough time of thinking and discipline and clear thinking of relaunching this or launching this innovation. Mm. So, reality yeah. to to ask your to, to answer your question is is more maximum eight weeks uh, and and discipline of the corrective action, very very disciplined and it has to be owned by the planning uh, and the irregularities and the threshold has to be minimal. Yeah. 100%. That's a great answer. And uh, I'll just uh, add to this, like you said, add it to the target. It has to be part of the sales team uh, targets. They have to look at uh, that because they are the close ones to the distributors and they have to be uh, uh, they have to be part of that. The correct the corrective action, of course, will be done done through them and with the distributors. So they have to be uh, included in their target, uh, the bias and the uh, and, uh, so that we, and as you said, of course, the steer and all that this will uh, will truly help in, in moving things around. Definitely, yes. I think just to add two points, it's it's all about uh, preventive and corrective actions. And as yes. Rania mentioned at the beginning, preventive actions could be as a control point from uh, understanding the demand drivers before just the going into bias, because bias. I think uh, calculating the bias it means that the the problem happened. Uh, but at the beginning, when you have this kind of business acumen and unbiased financials, I keep mm. saying this because it's not only the role of the demand planning, but also the roles of uh, the category themselves from marketing, from trade marketing and from finance. Don't be biased by just numbers, because sometimes when you buy you are biased by numbers, you put numbers that it's not realistic over and above, and you will realize that after you would have a negative bias. And once you have a negative bias, this is the problem. Because you you, you just moved on in the preventive, uh, I would say, gate. Now you're in the corrective gate. This is one of the most challenges that I see from the organization point of view when it comes to an obsolete stocks or overstocks or over inventory. So you keep leaving your uh, category or just the stocks pile up as mentioned by Rania, leave it as is. And especially for the products that they have, they are perishable or just to have uh, a shelf lifetime. So you could lose every day shelf lifetime. And when you highlight, as Rania said in a steering committee, guys, we have this kind of stocks pile up and 
most probably it will be obsolete and it will be uh, tends tends to be uh, right off. We need to take an action. People just ignore and ignore and ignore, and it reached to a point that it comes to uh, be written off, and then the margin will be diluted by force. So, take negative action at the beginning, as we said, preventive actions. Take understand your demand drivers. If it happens, document it, everything, and then if it happens and you are just overwhelmed with this, take as mentioned by Rania, your steering committee, speak, highlight, and give the budget to the right people because people when when you are focused only by the core sqs and ignore what's happening this will be a potential and it will uh, hit your margin at the beginning so keep speaking keep highlighting keep collaborating if if in terms of corrective actions and on co uh, control put it in your s and op and i think this will drive actions that that's my uh, i would say great points point of uh, ahmed of course and of course, so all our uh, listeners, are, of course, I know most of them are in supply chain, but bias is consistent difference of someone not from supply chain or something so that they're familiar. It's a consistent difference between actual sales and the forecast. So yeah. this is this is the definition of bias. Thank you, Hamoum. Thank you, Ranya. I think we will jump into the next question, which is LinkedIn user, our friend. Um. What is the time? Is <laughs> asking or she is asking? What is the time horizon for demand sensing? The shorter, the better, for sure. Always. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, I see to be realistic. We ha it has to be linked to the. Um, to the capability and the maturity of the demand planning part in the in the organization. So, uh, uh, if if we look any, at any maturity assessment for SNOP and demand planning, if I go with from zero to five, for example, which is the maximum, uh, I can go to an organization still building the, the demand planning and still building the SNOP structure and very much short term focus and very much target uh, maybe target uh, oriented and all that stuff and go for and say, okay, we move to uh, a weekly demand sensing. Mm. But, Cannot be that. Yeah, okay. but, but if we'll say that we're talking about a mature uh, organization with the SNOP demand planning, and again, especially after the COVID uh, pandemic and what we've yeah. seen and what we've practiced, we had to do a weekly demand sensing. Even if we kept on saying and putting in our all strategic initiatives and all our strategic plans and all our uh, and with targets that guys, we need to move to the weekly demand sensing. Uh, we did this, and we and the painful thing is that some organizations who weren't prepared, whether in terms of process or in terms of technology, they had to do it the hard way, and they had to do it uh, manually, or had they had to do it uh, be, because it really it really affected the the working capital and the cash flow of the organization. So so for me, I would say weekly for sure. This might be the option in, in, in industry. Again, it depends on the industry. But if I'm talking about a retail or a fast-moving consumer goods industry, it will be more of a weekly. Uh, maybe other industries will vary, and it can be longer. So it depends on the on the life cycle of the product. It depends on a lot of factors. But in general, the shorter decision-making cycle, and I will say the shorter decision-making cycle we can create, the better uh, results it will it will give to the to the business. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ranio. I think we'll jump into another LinkedIn user question. So we have the next question. 
what are uh, what parameters I must consider when I design my time fences? If I'm getting the question, understanding it right, so it, it will be a bit linked to the previous question. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. again I, I, I see it is it is more dependent or it's more related again to, to, to the life cycle of the products that we're operating in. Uh, and it depends on the planning cycle that you are defining in the organization. Uh, it depends on the um, guardrails that you agree on and, uh, and, and the thresholds that you're agreeing or defining as a steel comment organization. So, so it will help a lot to, to, to determine this maybe granularity, if I can say, of, uh, for, for, the, for the operational planning. So certain things, yes, it can be on a monthly basis. Certain things can be on a, on a weekly basis. Certain forums can be designed on, on a bi-weekly basis, which is every, every couple of weeks. But however, for me, the demand sensing in itself, it very much needed to be on the shorter cycle. So in order to prepare the business for whatever opportunities and risks are there and, and to answer the question whether I need to react or not, whether I need to react from the supply side to these opportunities or not, uh, whether these risks can be more of mitigated or not, can be mitigated or not. So, so weekly can be the fair for the meantime. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Rania. Thank you for LinkedIn user. So <laughs> we jump into the next question. Our friend Ahmed uh, Abu Khadra just is asking, what are the demand planner main KPIs? Mm. Good, good questions. questions. Uh, very good questions. I think uh, yes. today, uh, Rania, I think uh, <laughs> is getting a little bit uh, tired with us. I, but thank <laughs> you so much. Really. Much, much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I think yeah. Ahmed um, Hamans, you, you, you said it. And, and uh, again, yeah. I don't see one KPI for the month planner, to be very honest. Yes, yes. Uh, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, one of the challenges of the month planner that he's, he's acting like the business front from the supply chain part, if this department is under the supply chain or it's under the planning, whatever it is in the organization. But at the end, the demand planning takes the, the end gate or the end result of all the cross-functional <laughs> business team uh, rework. <laughs> So as we said, for example, if we say that the, the classical or the key known KPIs for sure, it would be, it would be the, the bias, it would be the accuracy or the error. Um, yeah. It would be a lot of things with different time lags. Um, very much more of a KPI that I see very much important is the, the value and volume connect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe we focus on the first two on the, on the, on the volume only, but the volume and the value connect this is very much crucial because we have to link the SNOP in, in, in general. And if we want to say that demand planning is not only a supply chain function and SOP is not a supply chain part, so we have to extend it to the business and make this happen for the business. The ultimate objective is to reach the value forecast. The volume forecast is the initial input for sure, but the value forecast is the end that the business makes this decision on. The business doesn't make this on volume. So here comes that the value volume disconnect However, it is not, um, let me say, a most commonly used KPI. However, it's very much important because it helps or, or it makes the integration between the value for, for the volume forecast and the value forecast of the, the, the discounts, uh, the plans, the terms with the trades, to make it connected and integrated. If you see that KPI is very high, so for sure we're talking about two parallel lines of target setting 
and volume forecasting. Mm. Great points. Yes. Thank you, Rania. Thank you so much. We'll jump into the next question. I think we have many questions. So we have our friend uh, Shazama. She's asking, is providing product information come under demand planning uh, through any mode? I think she's talking about um, most probably the innovations or the new product introduction, most okay. probably. I think I think one of the questions we, we, we touched based on, on this part of maybe business context, if we can say, or we touched based even on the factors affecting the demand, which is qualitative and quantitative part. Yeah. So I, would, I, I would put here that, yeah, for sure. Any, again, any information related, whether it's related to the product itself or related to the context of the product, for sure it helps the quality, if I can say, the quality of the forecast coming from this product. So examples of this, as we shared, it might be the, the, the patterns of usage, uh, the target groups and the current groups, the change in the yes. groups, um, change in taste, um, maybe change in technology sometimes. And 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 maybe this is, again, the, the, the beauty of the map planning that it is not only the, the, the discipline of one person or the organization, it has really to involve a lot of extended team members, even mm. beyond the, the core, as you mentioned, maybe marketing sales, finance, supply chain, but beyond this so so for uh for, for for market research for example or something it's it's very much helpful to get this sort of information because it helps you put the context as we were saying the context of this and anticipate and speed the patterns that might come exactly i think this is help this help the product information and as you said the the industry information this helps when you're setting like a plan for a year or three years or something this kind of movement that will happen in the market or i think uh, this is very helpful these kind of uh, researches and yeah. uh, mostly uh, marketing people will be uh, very uh, should have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge about that and should be up to date uh, when it comes to this kind of researches yeah Thank you, Rania. Thank you, Ahmed. Next question. Our friend, Hassan Ali, he's asking how demand planner plays a role for a successful innovation, relaunch or promotion, and how would post-launch evaluation takes place? It's a very nice question. Wow. Yeah. Great one. Hassan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think again the the part. I, I, let's let's dissect the part because it's very interesting. The three parts of them. However, again, the the innovation. Uh, I would rely more on the qualitative part of the innovation. Mm -hmm. The innovation because we don't have historical data. Yeah. So maybe right. for relaunches and promo, uh, we can we can follow an approach of like SQ or we can follow a similar brand or a similar product group. So we can take the historical data and rely on in our discussion. However, for the innovation, when we split also to reach the forecast, there's the quantitative and the qualitative part. Here, it will be the qualitative part. And here, for me, it will be always, I say that innovation in specific, we have to, we have to start top, top down. There are, mm. again, different approaches for the forecast, whether you start yeah. top up, disaggregate, or bottom up, and aggregate, or middle down, or middle up. But, however, yeah. for the innovation in specific, it has to be more of a strategic level discussion and more of a top down. Uh, and for me, I would start from the higher, maybe, level of data I can gather in the organization. So, mm. 
the, the normal or the common is to start with the market share, for example, and put your assumption and put your uh, uh, positioning to the innovation and, and set the assumption. And here comes the documentation of the assumption is very much important in the innovation. Yes. So and the assumption, because at a point of time, not all the building blocks will be will be stitched together. Not all the building blocks mm. of the innovation point of time, and we need to agree as a business. It's very much fine. Guys, we do put this as an as an estimate, as an assumption. <laughs> yes. It it might reach uh, a hundred tonnage and it might sell ten tonnage. I have to limit this this variability by the assumption. So so the innovation for me it would be very much of the assumption, the top down, the top down forecasting, and then then this aggregating this, uh, and reconciling this with the bottom up for the first, let me say for the first quarter of the innovation or something. Mm -hmm. so, so to have this sort of sanity check. For sure, there are, a lot, there are a lot of factors, including the discussion like cannibalization, like uh, competitor moves, a lot of things. But in order to have a, the demand planner role, I'm, I'm just focusing not, in order not to branch because we can <laughs> answer this question yes. in like an hour. But for yes. the demand planner role is how to drive the, the, the cross-functional team in that direction. Make the, make the qualitative part of the, of the forecast more of valid assumption more of connected and stitched together this is the demand planner role in my point of view for the relaunches and the promo it might be um we can say easier than the mm. than the innovation yes because again we, we have a we have a history to rely on and the for the promo in most of the organizations now you do have something that which is called that like a promo library or something or you have mm -hmm. an event library that you can return to especially in the in in the regular Again, in the regular business where you don't have this technological impact that much, changing the, the product life cycle every now and then. So you will find yourself not repeating, but you can have, you can see the pattern of the promotion. Um, and, and this is, this is, can be again, very much uh, of a role that the demand planner plays where to get the business views, the pattern of the history and, and challenge whether with the uplift or downlift, by the way. Because sometimes yeah. it is uh, biased to any to any of the size of the of the sales. For the relaunch, for sure, you will take the the part which is like SQ, and 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 you move with it. Uh, uh, make a more of a business modeling to the cross-functional team and decide on the volume that needs to be uh, sold, uh, and accounting for sure for the cannibalization effect. Whether it's from the same product group, whether from the brand, whether from the category, depends on the level of cannibalization that. Uh, that can affect the volume. Yeah. Just one, one, one. Yes, please. Yeah, one thing, please. Part, sorry. I missed the yeah. post evaluation. Yeah, I missed it. Well, post evaluation, look, Hassan, maybe this is something that, uh, again, very crucial, but I don't see also that we're giving it justice, yeah. which is in general the after action review, you can say. This is similar to any anything like an after action review. For sure, the post evaluation is very much needed because. We, when we link it to the business, to the business intent, the business wants to have profitable growth at the end, mm -hmm. the different articulation, the different uh, <laughs> strategy uh, statements, whatever. It is profitable growth. So unfortunately, that sometimes the promotion itself and, uh, and, and I'm not going to talk about the innovation now, but the promotion itself sometimes, and because of the lack of maybe creativity and the lack of uh, thinking out of the box in certain areas, sometimes we tend to repeat ourselves. 
And yes. what mm -hmm. we're used to do in yesterday, we're doing it today. So it comes to be a very much permanent of product or SQ in our, in our portfolio. And here comes that we don't see that it might not be profitable at all. And maybe like Ahmed, like Khaled was saying that I might uh, introduce a new SQ with a lower margin than the average of the category. And I found myself at the end having a declining gross profit or something or a declining mm -hmm. profit. So here comes that post-evaluation is very much needed because the essence of forecasting is putting assumption, creating the plan or creating the forecast after the after the action review, vice correction and learn from the learn from the history. So if I don't have the, the post-launch evaluation, if I don't have the uh, the promotion evaluation, it would be very much difficult. I'll be creating inefficiency in the business in my point of view. Definitely. But just one thing, we need to have it. Yeah, I think that if yes. you, if you're reading from book, this answer will not come like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely very, very, very organized, uh, very structured, and I think uh, yeah, the rest of the questions, I think we can take it uh, after this session. But really, they added a lot of uh, values to to everyone. Questions kept pouring from uh, from our audience. We have uh, very high engagement today, so thank you to all our audience, really. And we will try to. I think we tried to cover most of the questions, but allow us to uh, to to cover uh, uh, the questions after maybe our live. We'll try to to cover the questions and give you the answers. Uh, sure. Rania, really, thank thank you so much for for today. We cannot thank you enough. I think you uh, you told us. Uh, you are a little bit uh, not on your hundred percent energy. But I think on your hundred twenty percent energy, not uh, not uh, touch, touch wood. I think you are uh, great, and uh, and thank you so much, really, for uh, for thank today. You, Ahmed, uh, yeah. Thank you, and Thank you, really, to allow me this chance. So uh, it was a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, hopefully, we connect soon, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you so much and thanks again, Rania, for giving us your time. I know, as as Hamam said, that you were overwhelmed, I think, yes. and you're very sick, but you were insisting to be there to drive your yes. amazing values to our audience. So thank you for your amazing time and amazing values. Hopefully that we can have another episode. We will yes. unleash everything again. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you for all our audience. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you, you guys. Thank you. 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 Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co We believe that one word, one story or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.